and welcome to Fact Schmacks. It's the podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My name's Matt, and I've got a story to tell you. And my name's Kev. I have a story to interrupt. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Matthew. How's it going, bud? Uh, you know, it's going pretty good. How are you? It's going... I'm, I'm okay. You know how I'm going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the lies we tell ourselves. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's not talk about how I'm doing. But what I could do with is oh, well. some factory schmactory. Yesterday, or last... Not yesterday. Our last episode, we didn't even record yesterday. Our last episode, I wore the dunce cap. I you think we reverted to cap. an episode-by-episode episode dunce cap situation now. Yes. Uh, yeah. I can't wait for us to go to video format so we can just witness the dunce cap. Yes. That'll be great. It's going to um, be super. Speaking of caps and hats, Matt, you mm. like hats? You wear a lot of hats, don't you? Well, I, I've been known to wear a few hats. Yeah. You're, yep. Your dad, you, you know, you do a job. Uh-huh. You're I've a got, podcaster. I've got, yeah, I've got a ball cap and a toque. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all wear a lot of hats. And, Don't uh, we? Let's talk about some musicians who had some interesting hats they wore outside of ah, their profession. Okay. I like so, it. So, Factor Schmacked, Matt. Yes. Steely Dan's founding member and Doobie Brothers guitarist, Jeffrey... Okay. Alan Skunk Baxter's interest in recording technology led him to become a counterterrorism expert for the U.S. Department of Defense. Okay. Fact or schmacked. David Robinson, who is the drummer of the Cars and is also credited with naming the band, is actually a mechanic and a classic car aficionado. Okay. Fact or schmacked, after leaving Faith No More, guitarist Jim Martin became a competitive giant pumpkin farmer and property manager. You know, that's the one that I have the least amount of trouble believing. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, that's one where you're like, yeah, that's legit. That checks out 100%. The one I have a hard time believing is the counterterrorism one. Sorry, the... The guitar player for the Doobie Brothers. So he was he was Steely Dan's founding member and also a guitar yeah. player for the Doobie Brothers. Uh-huh. And and he's been with like a bunch of other acts. He's a you'd know him to see him. Sure. Is this before he was famous he was doing this, or is this after? This is like a This is after. Oh, okay. So he's like in his Steven Seagal, sheriff of a small town. I'm a counterterrorism sure. expert because sure. I know something about acoustic equipment. I don't know. All I know is the fact you were given. You know what our research policy is. Yeah, yeah. Very thin. Very, very thin. <laughs> There's a low barrier to entry here. For sure. And then the middle one. The middle uh, one there. The middle one is cars. David Robinson, yeah. who's the drummer of the cars. Also named the cars. And is a mechanic and classic car aficionado. So aficionado. is really into cars. It would appear so. It would appear so. So, what do you think? I think the I think the pumpkin one is a thousand percent true. Okay. I don't think you possess the imagination for that. <laughs> don't you though? I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All because right, it's we're so, gonna get real creative here soon. It's gonna be so. Uh, it's well, or or the lie is gonna be like that. Turns out what Mike Patton did for a while. Um, huh. Ha 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 ha. I'm going to go 
Oh, Come on. Oh, boy. You know what you want to go with. I know what I want to go with. Let's hear it. You know what? I'm going to go with the Cars one. Oh, you devil. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Cars one. You son of a bitch. I, I did that to myself, didn't I? <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I just showed my poker hand. God damn it. So that's, no. that's what you say is the schmacked? Or is yep. the truth? You think it's that's the, sh- the schmacked? I think that's the schmacked. You're right. Skunk is actually a defense department consultant. Okay. He got you into know what? It, it has something to do with like uh, recording and stuff. Sure. I don't know exactly. It's a very bizarre fact that I thought I would get you on. That and is. And I feel like if I kept my mouth shut, I might have. You know what but it was okay. for me? Do you want to know the real reason I chose that answer? Why? Because it was the simplest. It was the simplest one. It was the easiest. It was the one that I could most imagine you making up. The cars one? Yeah. Oh, buddy. I can make up some extreme facts. I know, but just out of the three ones. Now, now this is yeah, information you know you're, right. you're going to use just gone against over the top. me. Yeah. This is information you're going to use against me, but it yeah, just was absolutely like. Absolutely it is. 100%. Yeah. No, but it was yeah. just too, Duly it was too noted. simple. Duly noted. Okay, I can't, fair enough. Can't wait for that to come um, back and bite me in the ass in the future. I, I have some honorable mentions. You want to hear them? Yes. So these are a little more commonly known. Uh, Vanilla Ice. You know, he mm-hmm. flips houses and has a DIY show. The Vanilla Didn't Ice Project. Yep. Lead guitarist Dan Spitz left Anthrax to become one of the best watchmakers in the world. No kidding. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody I mean, I don't wants know to get a little spits on the wrist. Oh, spits on there. Oh, God. <laughs> so if you're familiar with the band, The Idols, which I I discovered The Idols last year and absolutely love them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that old Danny Didelco. Good song. Oh, great song. Yeah. Uh, so they have their, their one guitarist. He's a bit of a wild man on stage. Mark Bowen. He's a dentist. What? Yeah, dude. And I'm a pretty DDS. sure that I'm pretty sure I heard their drummer is an accountant. That's funny. And they're just like, they're a great band, man. I really dig them. Uh, MC Hammer's a preacher. Okay. There's that, you know. I don't That's know legit. That. I did know that. <laughs> it's too I did legit. not know that, actually. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know why I said I did know that. It's I, too uh, legit? It is too you, legit. You didn't even bite on that? I thought I had said that right before. Oh, it's, you said legit, and I said too legit. I think you just, just might quit. have missed my two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll throw a fit. Uh, <laughs> this uh, bit is shit. <laughs> uh, so let's just edit that out. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of shit. Oh. Yeah. I want to talk to you about Commodus and the beginning of the end of the Roman Empire. <laughs> the commode. The commode. He's not actually the commode. I do not believe is named after Commodus. Well, I don't know. It will be by the end of this show. <laughs> I knew you'd glom right onto that. Though. <laughs> well, so with that entry, you, with that like you know, introduction. Well, I suppose I was kind of asking for it with that introduction. Do you? Uh, does the name Commodus ring a bell for you? I'm aware it exists. I've heard it. Uh, I don't know the story. So okay. Well, Commodus is a guy. He's okay. an. He's an. He was one of the emperors of Rome. I. I vaguely know that like i know he was a okay emperor 
I guarantee, well, I, I don't guarantee, but I guess, but I would say there's a very, very solid chance that you've seen him depicted on screen by Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Gladiator. from Gladiator. Oh, yes. dude, that was such a good movie back in the day. It probably still is. I haven't seen it in a long time. I think like the um, the visual stuff of it holds up super well. Um, we're gonna actually going to be talking about you know, we're going to be touching on the story. So it, it did take some dramatic liberties with, you know, what happened in that period. I don't think anything like crazy. I think they made a good movie out of an interesting story. And like, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. They, he was killed. They by took a creative gladiator. license. He was, was it- killed by a wrestler. Oh, all right. Okay. We're going to have fun with this episode. <laughs> Brother. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> so Commodus, he was the son of Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, we talked uh, about him. We have not talked about Marcus Aurelius. God damn it, I'm sure we have. I don't think we have. Wasn't he have something to do with killing Caesar? No. Who was that? That's Brutus. Brutus. Yeah. All right, yeah. I do Marcus Aurelius was the last of the the five good emperors. You know why they were called the five good emperors? I can't imagine that they were actually good. No, really, it is because they were pretty good and there was five of them in a row. Really? Yep. That's okay. it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Anticlimactic? So, kind of. Commodus uh, is the son of Marcus Aurelius, like I said. Uh, and if you can believe it, Commodus is actually the first Roman emperor to have grown up in the palace, so to speak. He's the, he's the first Roman, Empire, or Roman emperor who is born to an emperor who is like currently the emperor. Every other person before this who became emperor, even if their son ultimately seceded them, um, they didn't, they, the, 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 their kids would have been fully formed people by the time, the, you know, person A becomes emperor. So they didn't grow up in the palace or anything like that. In a lot of cases, you know, before this, you would have grown up like the son of some regional politician who then later through circumstance and iron will and all, you know, this, that, and the other thing turns out to be the emperor, but you're already like a fully fledged adult, right? He is the first, he's the first kid to grow up in this environment and then later become emperor. Now the reign of Commodus or really the reign of Marcus Aurelius marks the high point of the Roman empire. Not like that was the best it ever was, but that's, that's the point where the tide broke and started to pull back. Okay, so for perspective, let's uh-huh. call back to some of our previous <clears throat> uh, Rome episodes. Sure. How long after, say, Julius Caesar are we? We're like uh, 180 years or so. Okay, so fair bit. Fair bit. And there has been 180 years of what you would consider to be good governance for the most part. There's been bad governors in there but in general the system has really held together and rome has been expanding uh rome has been winning after marcus aurelius dies rome is losing they're abandoning territory this is the beginning of what you call the decline of the roman empire now fun fact the decline of the roman empire lasts like 300 years okay yeah, so it's not like things just fell apart overnight, but this is very, when very slow fall. Very slow fall. There'll be there'll be good leadership here and there that can kind of like hold the walls from from cut caving in for a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day it's just going to be 
you know, shit like show said, after you, shit show. We've reached the high mar- high water mark of what they could do, and now it's just slowly, slowly falling apart. It also uh, the mark of, or the reign of Commodus also kind of marks the end of the Principate. Do you remember what the Principate was? This is going way back to our first episode, and wow. I don't mean this to test you. Uh, well, that's good you, because I think we, you would know how that would go. <laughs> we we talked about this in the Principate. first episode. We talked about Julius Caesar and how. He couldn't just say he was the emperor, or Augustus Caesar, not not Julius Caesar. He couldn't just say he was the emperor, right? He had to um, kind of couch everything he was doing inside this veneer of republicanism. So it was called the Principate. He was the princeps. He was the first citizen. There's this kind of like illusion that really the Senate's in control, but you know, really the emperor is the guy who's who's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Uh, Commodus's reign is is really when that starts to fall apart and it starts to become more of like I'm explicitly in charge and I'm explicitly in charge through fear or through you know uh, bread and circus or you know military might whatever you know people try a lot of different ways to stay in power um he was like I said the son of an emperor we had, we heard another thing we discussed in the first episode is sometimes there would be emperors and co-emperors I had said and the emperor would be the Augustus and the co-emperor the the person in the subordinate position would be the Caesar uh, he uh, Commodus was named Caesar at a young age because uh, Marcus Aurelius wanted to make sure that when he passed on his son succeeded or succeeded him uh, with little um, resistance. You know, with little resistance, right? Make it seem inevitable right from the get-go. Okay. Now, Commodus, though, he he's not at all like Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius is like a, um, you know, a good soldier, a good leader, uh, a hard man. You know, Commodus has grown up in the palace. He's accustomed to a life of leisure. That's not really his bag at all. He becomes Augustus at a pretty young age. His dad died of, I think, a plague. And after dad dies, son's in charge. He's like 19 years old, and he's in charge of the largest empire the world's ever seen. How do you think that goes? I mean, he grew up with it, right? You would think he would have an idea of the workings of government? Yeah, you'd think he would have a strong sort of sense of, yeah, where the levers of power are and how to exercise this, that, and and the other thing. Or was he just a chase and tail for the first? Yeah, no, it was more like that. Um, what ended up happening is he really was only interested in kind of pursuing his lifestyle. And in the very early part of his reign, he was very easily controlled by, you know, kind of the existing palace staff, the advisors and things, they would tell him what to do. And he was pretty much content to go along with it, but that could only last for so long. Eventually he did decide to become his own man. But his idea of what his own man was and his idea of what was good for the empire and what was good for him were very different, you know, than most emperors who had come before. He had no interest in territorial expansion. He really only had interest in throwing games, in big parties, lavish celebrations. He wanted to throw, you know, circuses all the time. They cost a lot of money, but that's what he wanted to do, right? Were they huge? They were huge. Now, Throwing these big old huge parties and, you know, big old games and stuff, that was actually a a cornerstone of one of his blocks of power, which was to keep the masses happy. If you keep the people in Rome, you know, the the million or so people living in Rome happy. Keep them fat and stupid. Keep them fat and stupid, you're pretty good, right? His Mm -hmm. other 
uh, the other cornerstone of his rule uh, was the army. You keep the army happy, you're also good. So basically, screw the old people in the Senate, don't care about them, keep the army happy, keep the people happy, I'm untouchable. And to be honest, that was a pretty good strategy for a while. The problem was, though, he had no grand vision for where the empire was supposed to go. All he really wanted to do was throw these parties. And he kind of became more and more divorced from reality as he got older and older. You know, I imagine it was a pretty stressful life living in Rome at the time, right? Um, Or not, sorry, not living in Rome, but being the emperor at the time. You know, it's a very uh, it's a very big prize. Everybody wants it. So he survives a couple kind of assassination attempts. But every time there's one of these attempts, he gets more and more paranoid. Yeah, it's, like Game of Th- it's like Game of Thrones. It's a lot like Game we've, of Thrones. We've brought it up a few times. Yes. He goes through a couple rounds of kind of culling his inner circle as he's getting more and more reclusive. But as he's getting more and more reclusive, he's throwing like the only place he's showing up is at these games where he will participate often as a gladiator. And he will, you know, I'm going to I'm using air quotes here, but he will fight um, men who are either like crippled beforehand or have dull blades and have to fight him with a sharp blade. You know, that part of of the film is kind of true. Like he. He would stage these rigged matches where, you know, he could wind up on top. He claimed that he was the son of Hercules, or not the son, the, sorry, the reincarnation of Hercules. Uh, And he just kind of like in a really big way bought into his own bullshit. We need to do an episode on Greek mythology. Yep. That'd be fantastic. That would be. He's a, so he's a bit of a turd. When, He's you a bit say of a he, when you say he calls his inner circle, you're talking about killing. Like he just oh, yeah, has yeah. people off. He just has people. Yeah. And Dude. he's um Life is he so starts doing something that's that's an old trick, you know, that that Julius Caesar did. Uh mm-hmm. that Augustus Caesar did. He starts running out of money. Well, just take it from people. Trumped up treason charges. Now your state your estate is mine, and you know, you're either banished or you're or you're just gone. So it really was kind of a reign of terror. Uh, or at least for for certain parts of the population. Um, But as he got, you know, it just got more and more ridiculous, right? Eventually, what happened to him is that, you know, three people in his inner circle found out that he had them slated to be executed at the next uh, games that he was hosting. So they're like, oh, fuck, (laughs) it's us or him. So they uh, they try to poison him, but he 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 figures out that he's been poisoned. He throws up. And he doesn't know what to do, so he, he retreats to his private bathroom or private bath. Sorry, I don't know if it's a bathroom. I don't know if yeah. this is commode. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Commodus' commode. Commodus' personal commode. Uh, anyways, they sent, uh, they sent a wrestler, which was like his kind of personal training partner, this guy named Narcissus, uh, in to just strangle him to death. And that's how Commodus died. What? I thought you yep. said he died from a wrestler. Yeah, his his like training partner who was a wrestler. Oh, I thought it was like Narcissus. in the ring and big dramatic. No, no, just like quietly in his room at night. What? Now in the yeah. All right, so I have a couple <laughs> questions here. Okay, Narcissus. Like we're not done. Uh, no, I just I, I'm curious. Like Narcissus, was he like really into himself? Yeah, Narcissus. I 
<laughs> I wonder. <laughs> like he was just uh, already in the bathroom checking himself out in the mirror and Commodus yeah. came in and he's like choked him out. Yeah. It's like You've looking interrupted at his muscles my... as he's choking him. He's like, look at my muscles. They are the best muscles. <laughs> Apparently Commodus did put up quite a fight. We'll give him that. Uh, uh, he did not do, go quietly, apparently. Do you think they eventually. had that short, bald guy from wrestling and he was just like, all right, take your corners. <laughs> and then they trash talked each other. Uh, I think you're thought you're thinking of um, you're thinking of a boxing ref. No, there was that little he was there was like a little uh, wrestler guy from the 80s, 90s. Uh, I don't know. I think you, you're thinking, thinking of the bald guy. Yeah. He, he, no, dude, a hundred percent. This was wrestling. Okay. How how do I know this? And you, don't I know. know like this. I've got wrestle brain. What's going on here? I need to like. I almost need to know. Now, who this any guy uh, is. <laughs> any other questions about you know Commodus his his reign or or how he went out like an absolute chump in the bathroom? I mean, no, because. It's kind of a lackluster story. Like I thought he would die in like the ring or something and it would be a super cool story where like some slave triumphed, but Nope. You nope. Know? Just just yep, it turns out that he was trying to murder some people in his inner circle and they just found out about it early and decided that uh, it was way better to murder him instead. Now something like this is hard to pull off though. We talked about uh this in the first episode. We talked about how when you're going to kill somebody who's the head of state, not that we're advocating anybody do that. No, but if one were not. to, uh, in, in this day and age, you need to have the successor waiting in the wings, right? You can't just, you know, you can't make the same mistake that the, um, that the, the, the assassinator assassins of Julius Caesar made and have nobody waiting in the wings to kind of assume that all this executive power. So, they had this guy named Pertinax. He's this old guy, but he's kind of well-respected. He's kind of known as a bit of a hard-ass, but, you know, they figure that he's the sort of guy that they can slip in there. He's old. Nobody's really going to raise too much of a fuss because, you know, that's kind of buying time to figure out who he picks as his successor. And, you know, hopefully we're right back on track after this uh, this whole Commodus situation, right? Um. <clears throat> Well, hold up, hold up. Yep. Does this uh, story end with a horse getting its hoo-ha shoved with a fist, like the Persia decision for the king? Uh, so no, this it's... is a callback to, um, was that episode <laughs> one of Persia? No, the Persia one was uh, episode like three or four, maybe. Persia. No, Inc. but we did Persia Inc. and we did another one. Yeah. The oh, Empire yeah, yeah. Strikes Back or something. Yeah. Um, what was it? It was either one of you know what go listen to both of those if you haven't already. Yeah, I think they're There's both a actually very pretty solid episodes. Tidbit in there yeah, uh, involving juicy. how they came to the decision of who would be the emperor or leader or whatever they called them in that time. So there's no horse who ha at the end of the story. There is not. Okay, that's cool. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. No, that's all right. <laughs> so they'd chosen this old guy, but there's this dynamic that had been going on. Uh, and becoming increasingly problematic uh, within the kind of palace structure. And I haven't really, I haven't addressed it yet, but we're going to talk about it now. And that's the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard is the guard that protects the palace. They're the people the who secret are... secret service. 
basically. Over. It's Capitol Police. They, sure. you know, whatever you, however you want to figure that out. But their job is is to kind of police generally the palace grounds. They're kind of the soldiers inside the city. Um, they enforce the rules in Rome quite a bit. They're kind of like a police force, but not really. They're just kind of there keeping things in order. Mostly but, for the emperor. Mostly for the emperor, but they're kind of the they're the emperor's bodyguards, right? Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, they're came to be a dynamic where there was a bit of an understanding that the emperor sure as shit had better come through uh, with some money for these people who are protecting him day and night or, you know, they just might not be protecting him day and night. So it kind of, they were slowly extorting the emperors is what they were doing, asking for more and more. And it had been kind of getting more and more unreasonable. So, while this succession is going on, while they're trying to um, get Pertinax uh, into the position of emperor, one of the things they have to do is they have to to get the Praetorian Guard in on it. The Praetorian Guard, they loved Commodus because he was very good to them. So to get them on board, they make all sorts of promises about what Pertinax is going to do for them, how much he's going to be paying them once he's emperor. And so they begrudgingly agree, all right, well, I guess... You know, Commodus is dead. They said that Commodus died of an embolism. They didn't tell anybody that he was murdered. But they're like, well, he's dead. We got this old guy, I guess. I mean, we're going to get paid, right? So I guess we're fine. Well, Pertnax, cold light of day, looks at a situation and goes, you know, Commodus didn't really leave us a whole lot of money in the treasury. I know that there was some promises that were made. But I quite honestly cannot afford to pay what, what's been promised to you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you half. We're going to call it that. How's that? Well, that was not that. Uh, a group of 300 Praetorian guards showed up at the palace. Tempers flared and Pertinax wound up dead in the oh, uh, ensuing scuffle. So... Now we're in the situation we were talking about before, but there is nobody who is going to step into this power vacuum. This was not planned. This is the this is the emperor's bodyguard essentially getting mad and murdering him. Whole thing was very slapdash. However, the leader, the leader of the Praetorian Guard, he realized never let a good crisis go to waste. What this is is actually an opportunity because, hey, we're in charge of the capital. Really, isn't it us who decides who the empire emperor is anyways? You know, who's going to stop us? So what they decide to do is send out word that they're going to be entertaining offers for the position of emperor. <laughs> Some tryouts? Yeah. Well, it's who's going to pay us the most. So it's not it's not so much a tryout as they're literally auctioning off the seat of power. So so these people would have to <laughs> do you come have in with do their you have questions about wealth? how this is what's that? People would have to come in with their own private wealth. Partially with their own private wealth, but also, you know, they're <clears> just <throat> committing to put you know, if you're gonna commit to put the resources of state that much towards us, if that's what you're gonna do for us. So it came down to two different guys who were bidding against each other. Uh, and uh, 
one of them won. A guy named Didius Julianus. <laughs> For some reason, I picture like Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Praetorian Guards forced the Senate at you know sword point to adopt this new emperor, and they're thinking job done right like time to sit back and enjoy the fruits of our labor we're going to get paid by this new guy uh this is a perfect plan absolutely nothing wrong with this plan at all yep just the four thousand of us in here in the city totally in control of the entire emperor right empire right well that's not how things work at all actually power in ancient rome didn't flow from who occupied the capital it came from who controlled the legions And when the three most influential generals in the empire heard that Pertinax was dead, like first they heard Commodus is dead and Pertinax is in. Well, he's he's a military guy and they know who he is um, and he's old. So they're like, all right, well, whatever. Well, we'll, you know, the new plan is figure out how I'm going to succeed Pertinax. Right. Then they hear that Pertinax is dead and there's this new clown on the throne who's only there because he was wealthy and offered to pay the Praetorian guards. Well, Quite frankly, they just did not accept that as as a good situation for them. Uh, they each decided to not support this guy at all. Um, they uh, immediately sat down to try and figure out who the real emperor should be. These three generals, we got uh, a guy named Pacinius Niger. We got Clodius Albinus. And we got Septimus Severus. That is such a fucking awesome <laughs> name, Septimus Severus. That sounds like a, like a Halloween costume or something, or like a, a monster in like an RPG. Or uh, just like any name in Elder Scrolls. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, Dude, is there a new one coming out soon? What's the deal? No, it's not, not for not forever. There's Starfield is the next game they're putting out. It's a new looking, series. Are, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I, I think uh, it looks really good. Yeah, and then it's Elder Scrolls after that. <clears throat> Apparently, they put a lot of work into their technology. We'll see. All right. Well, um, yeah. So they all kind of decided that it should be, you know, me uh, who should be the the emperor. Enter the horse. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. What they did was they had a big old civil war. And uh, not to get too in the weeds on their big old civil war, but it was Septimus Severus who wound up on top. Okay. Now, as he got closer and closer to Rome, where technically uh, poor old Didius Julianus was still in charge, you know, he's he's throwing out increasingly um, maybe uh, it's the word I'm looking for pathetic sort of overtures. You know, at first he's like, hey, how about I let you run half the empire? (laughs) And the guy with the big army is like, no, how would I just take the whole thing? Because I have manpower and you bought this. Okay, so I got to ask you, mm-hmm. an army's closing in on you. Before I know how the story ends, which I'm sure it ends with the guy dying, but I've been surprised before. Anyhow, army's closing in on you. Yep. Uh, you've got this empire that he wants. Mm-hmm. And... He's going to come and take it, and he's going to kill you. Yeah. Don't you just maybe just go, ah, you know what? All right, you can have it. Like, I'm just going to go, like, give me, like, a little house over there. I'll go do my thing. Like, He should it. have been, like, the, the the third guy in the second triumvirate who, like, 
that was the Augustus Marcus Aurelius, and then a third guy, I think it was Lepidus, was his name. And he just made this like really half-hearted attempt to, at like shooting his shot, and it didn't work at all. And he was just like, "Ah, you know what? I'm done." And he just went and lived. <laughs> he just went and lived in like quiet life for the rest peace of his peace and quiet. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing, you know. Like they they probably could depart that position with enough money to live comfortably for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I would have worked out. I'd have been like, hey, you man, know, shoot the me thing like 100K is, a year, and I'll just chill out. Give me a house. No big deal. I won't ask is, much. Um, you don't want rival power bases around. And anybody who used to be king, that's someone whose banner that people can flock to. It just is. And you, so you have to deal with it. I guess. I think in a lot of cases that these people just, they, they wait too long. They hit a point where they can't walk away anymore. You know. There was maybe a chance where he could have walked away right at the beginning. And been like, yeah. you know what, this this was this was kind of silly. Let's figure out a way to transfer power to somewhere it makes sense or broker a deal or something. But he didn't. He waited too long. Oh, I he totally knew what the hot stakes, potato it. He knew what the stakes were, right? If I was Emperor and the army was closing in, I'd be like, Matt, I've anointed you Emperor. <laughs> You're the new guy. Yeah. Uh Here, catch. The, the Praetorian Guard that he had paid so much money to, by the way, just completely dissolved and ran away once the army. Yeah, because they knew better. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, uh, what like, ended yeah, up happening? Like, yeah. It. What ended up happening was the um, they arranged uh, a, a kind of pardon for themselves with the new guy on the condition that they hand over the old leadership and the and whoever killed the Emperor Pertinax or Pertinax, sorry, which they did, and then those guys got got their asses murdered. Um, Didius Julianus also got his ass uh, executed. Apparently, his last words were, uh, what evil have I done? Who have I killed? He had ruled for 66 days. Oh, that sucks. Yep. This entire period, um, post-Commodus' death, is known as the Year of Five Emperors. There was Pertinax, Didius Julianus, and then you got three different generals, each declaring themselves emperor and having a civil war to figure out you know, who it's really going to be. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I never heard and, of that. Yeah. So just like with a lot of, you know, uh, these stories, I've left out a ton of detail to try to just oh, encompass. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and also to encompass the, um, you know, the narrative arc that I was trying to look, you know, this idea, this story of, you know, the fall of a bad emperor. Maybe there's a chance for things to get back on the right foot, but instead things just devolve, de- devolve into total chaos so quick so quick so that's that's kind of established as the pinnacle of rome and then everything else was kind of downhill from there everything's downhill from there yeah that's the end of what you consider like the golden age of rome sure after marcus aurelius was rome like what is the longest empire in history that you're aware of the roman Uh, empire I, I, uh, oh, because there's, I don't know, because it gets, there's some Bronze Age, em- no, it'd probably be like um, the Egyptian Empire in the um, from the Bronze Age. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. There'd be a lot of, you know, Rome was like, depending on how you define it, can be uh, just about 2,000 years, I think. Um, that's that's pretty long, you know. That's a good haul. So that's, that's a whole a bunch good- BC and a whole bunch... Yeah, it's from like 470 uh, BC, and then if you're considering like the, 
you know, the Holy Roman Empire, I think that thing doesn't like topple over into like 1400. So you're. Yeah, you're 15, like 2000, 15, yeah. 16. 15, 1600 years. Close enough, okay. you know. But I'm pretty sure that the Egyptian, you know, dynasties, they they went back further than that. There'd be like Assyrian, you know, uh, they the people in the old world knew that they were in a world that was really old. So I think there's probably yeah some Bronze Age empires that would have had a longer span. But I don't know. Great question. Great yeah. question. You just kind of want you think to yourself like, okay, Rome, uh, they they built everything up from scratch. They refined a lot of their government and uh, civil processes to a point where they had, uh, you know, they were technologically the most advanced people at the time. They were yeah. culturally the most advanced people at the time. Um, that well, give or take. I don't. I mean, I I think that's a very Eurocentric way of looking at it. Um, sure, maybe, but and I, I mean, don't know. Like, I don't know what the technology, comparable technology in China was like at the time or Japan. Like, I just don't know. I I think that's. And I don't want to make an ass of myself. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But uh, you know the point. The point I'm trying to get at is that you look at like North America, and we're what like 300, what 1692. We got discovered by Columbus apparently. 1692 yeah. or 17. Discovered. Uh, no, it's 1642. There's like the little rhyme thing. 1642. Columbus this. sailed the ocean blue. 1642. I uh, yes. Okay. So this anyhow, is sad. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things that like you knew. Forever. Well, we didn't learn too much about it, right? No. In Canada, it wasn't as big a part of our story, so <clears throat> you know you might have no, spent a but, day on Columbus. So you look at okay, sixteen forty-two. Now it's whatever. You got like six, seven, you know, four. 400, 500-ish years, very young. Mm -hmm. And considering we were British, like <clears throat> even America up until 1867, no. God damn it, when was the American Revolution? Buddy, you're throwing out dates. Like, why don't, <laughs> why don't you just say when the event happened and let people fill in the blanks themselves? All right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably a better way to do this because I can't remember shit. <laughs> So, okay, so you've got up until we they declare independence. Mm -hmm. Till now. Yeah. That's so young. So young. In in history, <clears throat> do you think that, yes. like, could you see North America being 2,000 years? Do you see you anything know, being 2,000 years at this point? Like, that seems like a lot. That seems there's a lot going on there, you know? I don't yeah. know. I don't want to be a pessimist. Uh, <laughs> I don't either, but sometimes I'm like, are we on the decline? Because I feel like the heyday was like the 50s, 60s for like the economy. There was like a middle class, you know? Yeah. Remember when there used to, well, I don't remember when there used to be middle class, but you know, we keep getting told that was the thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird to think about, you know, are we on the decline or are we still on the way up? And we're just, you know. We're just hitting some little wrinkles here and there. Who knows? It's curious to see. I wonder how they'll they'll talk about talk about us in the future. You know, that's um I I often wonder what the eulogy on the baby boom generation is gonna be. And I don't think it's gonna be great, personally. Um I think about that a lot in terms of like 
you know, looking at like Ontario's heading into an election, right? I'm a bit of a polling junkie. So one of the big issues in Ontario right now is long term care. There's uh, a real issue with quality long term care uh, for it's it's terrible. It's terrible for elders. It's 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 elderly warehousing. It's what it is. And I find it kind of fascinating just to me, the amount of people who are elderly who are voting for the party who's like making that worse. Yeah. To me, like, and I, I guess it, you know, nobody's a single issue voter and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. I, I'm not, um, you know, that, that, I guess that's putting a lot of people into a group. It's just kind of alarming. Yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent. You know? <clears throat> but it's, it's funny how people vote. Like, like we're, uh, we're a union town here. Like we're probably yeah. one of the biggest union towns going uh, in Canada, definitely in Ontario, I'd think. And uh, it's always conservative government here in this. Yeah. Locally. Right. Yeah. Always conservative. And mm-hmm. those guys could care less about the unions, the no, working yeah. folk, the everyday no. guys. Well, they do. They care about oil and gas workers and that's it. Right, everybody else can go to hell, and that might be that might be a big reason because of the oil and gas here. But who knows? Um, yeah, it's just weird to kind of think how you know how we'll be remembered. Yeah, I, I've spent a lot of time. This is maybe going back to your earlier point about are we on the decline? I've spent a lot of time thinking about you know what the decline of the Roman Empire looked like. Why? the Roman Empire decline, things like that. Like these people built up this giant institution with these giant pillars that kind of held the whole thing together. And then one by one, these pillars start to crumble. Um, You know, when you look at our system, what are the pillars? And are they they crumbling? Like for me, I look at the middle class. The middle class is crumbling. I don't think that's good. (laughs) I think that's that's a really bad sign. It's going to be like a caste system where you're you're either – really rich or you're a peasant yeah i mean i don't not to be alarmist um i don't think that you know i but i think that is kind of the way things are heading i think you know we need to do a better job of um we need to stop villainizing uh unions um you know like i know that's not an issue for you but there's a lot of anti anti anti-union rhetoric out there and it's kind of alarming like it's weird when i run into it and i'm just like man Like, don't you like good working conditions? <clears throat> yeah. And you know what the thing is, is like, I've been in some situation, like I've had things happen at, in, in my job with my union that like, are you know, serious, serious events. Like someone could have got really hurt. Millions of dollars in equipment could have gotten ruined. Yeah. Like tens of millions of dollars. And it's funny. Like sometimes you feel like, you know, everyone's still out for themselves, even though it's a union. But when it comes down to it, when shit goes down, you know, they circle circle the wagons and they yeah. bring, you know, they bring everything in and, and take care of you. And, and at the end of the day, like working for them, I was working, uh, making probably one of the best wages you could make as a tradesperson. Yeah. Um, you know, that was the kind of work that we were doing and, and it was good. But the thing about it is uh, people get upset about it. They think you're greedy, you're bloated, you're lazy. Like, man, like we work hard. 
Uh, and I'm and not you're taking real risks with your body too. Huge risks, man. Huge. Everything yeah. is just everything is du- uh, dirty and brutal and bad for you, and and it's you know it's it's mm-hmm. hard work, and and we're out there, and you know you get two fifteens and a half hour break, and show up 15 minutes early and don't leave till the clock runs out. And that's your day. Like it's an honest yeah. day's work. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, like some unions maybe are bloated. Like I don't get sick days, but the thing is like rising, was it rising tides float all boats? Yep. Right. Yep. So I think, I think the minimum wage, if the minimum wage kept pace with inflation and mm-hmm. with corporate wages, and the house of prices, minimum wage should be like forty or fifty dollars by now. It should be. Should be. Or or housing shouldn't be doing what it's doing. Like that's you know, that's That's a, ridiculous. Yeah. But it's doing, it is, it, it's doing it in the whole world. Yeah. Like all North America, the housing is just getting beyond people's means. Yeah. It doesn't I don't understand. Is is it like a phenomenon of just too many landlords taking up the it's, supply because everyone wants to have an income p- property or I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I just know that like something's got to give, right? Just a little thought I just had. I've had this thought before, but it is kind of liberating to have a podcast where, you know, the, the central premise is that we're kind of idiots because it's nice to be able to just be like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, we don't have, have to, to solve this. I don't know. We don't have to solve this. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm just talking shit. Yep. Yeah. I've sometimes, I think we've talked about this on the show. Every now and then I'm like, could I do this seriously? Like, like, could I do a serious podcast and like put research and time and, and try to be like, not scripted, but like, like do a serious job, like an investigative kind of ex, you know, whatever. Expose. (laughs) Was that what you were going to say? Well, like, (laughs) just like, you know, like, have you ever listened to like the daily? It's like a New York times, uh, kind of news thing. I like it. It's a good show. Um, and the guy's like, you know, he's serious, but he's kind of conversational, but he's talking about serious issues. And I just think to myself, like, nah, like, I just want to talk bullshit to my friend. <laughs> like at the end of the day, that's what it entertains me. I saw a tweet today. I, I meant to send it to you, but I did not. And it was uh, something about my dream job being the person that reacts to the well-researched podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like if we ever do a crossover show with somebody who's super serious, like they would get so angry. It'd be like five uh, minutes, it would be over. I don't know. You know, you never know. You never know. We bring a nice <laughs> little energy here. We bring a nice energy. Yeah, every now and then. Every well, now and again. That was a very interesting tale you've told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe it's a good time for some Kev's closing facts. I think and so. By bring facts, us home. I mean one single fact. So Kev's closing fact. Yeah, not fact. So. 11. You know 11. Sig- 11. 11. 11. Do you know what the significance yeah, of 11 it. is? Uh, do I know what the significance? Well, Remembrance Day, 11, 11, 11. Um, it's two ones beside each other. Matt, it's the number of U.S. nuclear bombs lost in accidents and never recovered. Eh, creepy, terrifying. Yeah, isn't that scary? That is scary. All right. Sleep well, everybody. Good night. Goodbye. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Okay. 
This is something I heard recently, and it blew my mind, and I've just I've just remembered it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add my own little closing fact in here. Oh, closing, okay. Here we go. Closing a little explanation, I guess. Have you ever heard of the Monty Hall problem? No. Okay, the Monty, Pro- like Monty Hall- Python. No, Monty Hall was a show. Basically, there's a car behind one door. There's a goat behind two doors. Here's okay. how the show works. That's you like can- our episodes. Like one's gonna Kinda. be good, and there's gonna be two goats. <laughs> <laughs> so you you pick a door right yeah. any one of those three doors they're not going to open it yet what they're going to do is they're going to open one of the other two doors and show you a goat and then offer you to switch to the one remaining door now do you think you should switch do you think it matters if you switch no it's like schrodinger's goat it actually turns out that switching is always the best choice always the well, best choice why statistically and it's a, oh, it, because it, it, the first one is a third one in three chance and the second one's a 50 50 essentially a, a good way of visualizing this uh this is a, a way that i saw i saw in a youtube uh video that like changed my perception of it and made it totally make sense we'll, we'll is, link it yes imagine there is a three-sided die right okay it's got three doors on it it's got two two goats in a car if you roll that die, there's three possible ways that the die can land. If we say just whatever winds up on top, that's the option that you're picking. Yeah. The car only winds up on top one of the three times. Sure. So in the two other scenarios, they're going to show you a goat and the other door is the right one. Do you see how it how it works? Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter.com at FactSchmackedPod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz, because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs>